and welcome back to EM Stud. I'm here with my co-host, ER Dr. Nate. This is Scott Wieters, your EMED coach, for another edition of the EM Stud podcast. Hey, Nate, how you doing today? Oh, Scott, I am doing awesome. How are you doing? Man, I'm fantastic. Uh, down in Texas, we had a cold front, and the entire state shut down for a few days. Quite embarrassing. <laughs> um, I know you guys laugh at us up north, but we kind of got the shivers. You know what else is new, Nate? It's our anniversary episode, brother. Is it really? Yeah, man. So I don't know if you remember, but like two years ago, we met on that website, clerkshipdirectors.com, that matching website for like a podcast bro dating site. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so thankful that you're my partners, man. I just, I just really want to say thank you. You're a great co-host. Oh, Scott, thank you too. You, you're, you're the best. No, 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 really, really. Thank you, Nate. Oh, no, Scott, I, I couldn't do this without you. Thank, thank oh, you. Oh, you're, you're just too kind. Oh, really. it, it, it's my pleasure, really. No, you're too gracious. Oh, really, really, Scott, Nate. stop it. You're, you're just delightful. Okay, so apart from the sap here, we do want to remind you guys to make sure that you have sent out a few thank you notes to the programs you interviewed at. Uh, we had talked about that in the past or some other commentary and opinions on that, but we just think it's the best thing to do. So we're going to move in next about this ranking and matching process for emergency medicine residency. Nate, how does this really work? Yeah, great question, Scott. So uh, as you all probably know by now, a rank list is really just simply your personal list of residency programs you'd like to train at uh, in order of preference. So your first choice program would be the number one program that you want to go to, your second choice, number two, et cetera, et cetera. And the way this works is that while all of you applicants are making your individual lists, so are the programs. And in the end, when everyone's done with their lists and have them submitted, a computer algorithm is used to match everyone together to find that best fit possible. And also, first, if you haven't already, you need to make sure that you're registered with the National Resident Matching Program, or NRMP as we call it. And it's a different service completely than ERAS. So it's here that you're going to go ahead and find out where the programs are in the directory. You're going to enter them in your rank list and basically certify it. So don't think that certifying it is really difficult, but it is something that you're going to have to do. Now, once you've done so, don't worry because you can change it around after you've certified it. Now, Nate, how long do students have before there is a deadline? Remind me, when is this? Yeah, so it's it's really coming up soon, Scott. The deadline for having all of this done this year for the 2018 match cycle is Wednesday, February 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is the uh, time that that system closes where you have to have your rank list entered and certified in by that time, or you won't be included in the match algorithm. Set your reminders now. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up soon. And and after that deadline, uh, once you're in, you can't make any more changes to your list, so no more tweaks after that. That is that is sort of a hard stop. Um, but uh, please, please, please don't wait until then. Don't wait until the last minute to finalize everything. Uh, just like with other computer systems where a lot of people log in at the same time, you don't you don't want to be victim to a like a server crash or something. Okay, well, Nate, let's look at our uh, mailbag. We've got a few questions coming in. Yeah, so uh, let me just open up this first one here. So, uh, Scott, why don't you take this one? This is from uh, Faux-Crastination. Awesome name. She writes in and says, how do you suggest we make a rank list? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll start off with some good news. The good news is that if you're ranking a program that's not on probation, that has a record of being accredited and producing quality residents, you really can't make a wrong decision here. 
Um, I'll just state the obvious. You have to have interviewed at this place. So, you know, don't start ranking places that you hope just might learn about you through some other way than the interview process. You can't go around the back door. Um, and the NMRP only saves one version of your list. So if you're having trouble making up your mind and you kind of are one of those people that, that change it a lot, maybe do it in some other spreadsheet like Excel or Google Docs and uh, Sheets and, and make sure that you're using some other way because you won't be able to really find your previous rank list by using this system. I think most people probably use Excel uh, or something like that and look at the pros and cons using a number of variables. I know there's some really nerdy people out there that have probably created some complex model using like some Bayesian theory and have this, you know, big Watson <laughs> type of a computer that's going to spit out the best program. But I'm not sure if you need to go to that length. Um, you know, we searched on MD Calc and we did not find a rank order calculator. So I'm, I'm sorry to say that that does not exist. There's an area for future research, maybe. Um, you know, most, most of you took notes when you went on your interview. And I would go back and review your notes that you took and reflect on some of the memories and some of the strengths and weaknesses that you were able to identify. There's just a lot of variables. And I think in the end, you're really just going to have to, like a lot of students are, just go with your gut and what feels right. Uh, so, you know, Nate, what do you think? Those are great points, Scott. And um, let, let me just jump in and say something else before I forget that I meant to say earlier that um, while you're in NRMP, another thing we want you to be aware of is that if you choose to rank more than 20 programs, there actually is a fee for that. Uh, so don't be caught off guard. Um, that's actually done in the certification step. It'll take you to a you know, way to process your payment. Um, so don't wait to the last minute to do this. And then oh, there's another step that I didn't realize. Uh, also, those fees are not refundable even if you change your list later to include fewer than 20 programs. But that's just another kind of quirk in that system you need to be aware of. Mm, don't bother keeping that receipt. Okay, uh, let's reach back in the mailbag. Nate, I got a question for you. This comes from a student, uh, Molly Mediocre writes in. She says, uh, I'm wanting to go to a super competitive place for my number one rank, but it's a real reach. Uh, should I game the match and put my number two program, which is less competitive, on my list is number one, so I'm more likely to get into that program? That's a great question, and I, I sort of hear variations of, you know, of that question a lot. So let me explain the match process. Um, and also, if you go to the NRMP website, nrmp.org, they also have a little video there that explains this very well, too. Uh, but let me do my best to try and explain this. So once everybody's lists are in, everybody's been certified, you and the programs, everybody's in, uh, the match algorithm really attempts to match applicants to programs based on the applicant preference first. So it's weighted to uh, really look at your preferences first. So let's just say that I'm applying to several programs, I've put together my match list, and at the top of my list is my number one preference, that's where I really want to go. Uh, when I go through the algorithm, one of four things can happen. So number one, first, the program that I'm attempting to match into has not yet filled, and there is an available spot. So what happens is that then I get tentatively matched into that program and I'm in until the algorithm either finishes running and I'm still there, in which case I match that program, or uh, through another cycle they find someone else to replace me, someone that the program actually liked more and ranked higher. Okay, second option. The program is full, tentatively, but I happen to be ranked higher by the program uh, than somebody who's already tentatively matched. So now I actually get that spot, and the person at the bottom of that tentative match list uh, gets dropped off, and they go through the algorithm with their uh, next choice. Third option, the program is full, 
and I am not ranked higher by the program than the lowest person already on that list. Um, and the fourth possibility is that simply I wasn't ranked by that program at all. And those last two possibilities, uh, I just don't match into that program. But overall, what's important is that each step of the matching process really does attempt to place each applicant as high as possible on his or her rank list. This is important for um, structuring your rank list because really you want to take advantage of that. You really want to place the programs in order of your personal preference not by whether you think you'll get in, not by who you think liked you, uh, or some other kind of line of thinking. And the person that designed this was pretty good about doing this. I think they won the Nobel Prize, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. so actually on the NRMP website, you can read all about uh, uh, how this is um, just such an amazing algorithm. And it really is kind of neat, the way they do this. Man, way over my head. Well, that's a great breakdown, Nate. Um, let's see here. Here's the next question. This is from Album Brevis, and he writes in, what happens if I simply didn't rank enough programs? How many should I rank? This is another uh, really great question. So what if you don't simply rank enough programs? Well, it helps to know how many programs to rank. Um, you know, I'll start by saying that uh, the match is a commitment. Um, that's why it's called the match. So don't rank any place that you absolutely would not go to, because if you do, in fact, match there, you will be expected to sign a contract and start employment there. Um, that being said, uh, if you rank uh, too few programs, you do run the risk of not matching into the specialty. So before I get to that actual number, uh, let me just go back and share with you some information from previous matches, some of the data that they published on the NRMP website, something called charting outcomes. Um, what this has showed us is that over time, looking back to, I think, as far as 2013, uh, really, emergency medicine has filled, uh, I think the lowest it's been is uh, a 99.2% fill rate. So first of all, if you're going to match into EM, you do it through the match and not through SOAP. So this is important. So if you were simply to just place a handful of programs on your rank list, uh, and you don't happen to match into any of those, chances are in SOAP now you're looking at another specialty perhaps or some alternative pathway to get back into an EM uh, program a year from now. Uh, so don't rely on SOAP as a backup. Again, 99.2% in 2014, that's the lowest uh, fill rate that we had in emergency medicine the last few years. Um, so from there, if you dive a little bit further, the question is, well, really how many programs do I need to rank? Uh, unfortunately, this is uh, also reported in the charting outcomes, the NRMP data that they release. Uh, so for U.S. grads, for U.S. allopathic grads, that number is around 12 to 13. That'll give you a 95% or above chance of matching into emergency medicine. If you only list uh, seven programs, that drops you down to somewhere between 80 to 90%, uh, and it just kind of goes down from there. So it really is to your advantage to rank at least 12 programs, 12 to 13 programs, uh, and again, this data is uh, sort of looked at globally. This doesn't take into account uh, various levels of competitiveness, but uh, just generally uh, ranking fewer programs can put you at a disadvantage in this process. And it also say a word of just comfort to those that have only maybe interviewed at maybe eight, nine, 10 spots. You're still getting up into the 90% chance, uh, which again, we want to make that 100%, but I think the statistics just wouldn't allow us to go there because there's always some weird permutations. Okay, Scott, another question for you. So Francisco Amore writes in, 
Should I call the program or text them or email them or write them or handwrite a note and deliver it on a white stallion directly to the program director's house to let them know I'm ranking them number one? What do you think? Ooh, Francisco, that's an aggressive move. Um, I, I do like the white stallion call, but that might be a little aggressive for some. In Texas, that would be looked upon very well, but maybe in other places, maybe not. I think we hear a lot of opinions on what program directors say about this. Most program directors say, you know, it's a, it's a kind gesture. We understand this. There's also a position I hear from a lot of program directors saying that, you know, they are not swayed by this sort of thing and that they are untouchable and that their bias is, is, it doesn't exist and that this will not change their minds. And I, I'd like to think that that's really the case, but, uh, you know, when a compliment is delivered in a, a, a good way, when it is done ambassadorially and it lands well, it's hard to say that that is a, a negative thing. Now, we've all seen people that are trying too hard, and I think the white stallion at the program director's house might not be the best approach. So there can be some overaggressive things. I think back a few years ago, there was a, a student that we, we thought we ranked pretty well. They were ranked towards the top of our list. And this student wrote a very long and uh, deep, confusing poem to our program director and attached a few pictures and really got a little too mushy. And that person, it kind of creeped us out. And so that person moved down on our list. So you can be too aggressive and you can be over the top. But I think, again, a nice, succinct note uh, would be appropriate. You know, text, email, you're going to have to just gauge that person. And that really gets into reading people and having a high emotional intelligence. So I think it's reasonable to rank that number one program and then send off an appropriate, well-written, non-scary, not over-the-top kind of a communication, making sure that it's in good taste, but you better be sure they're number one. I would only send one of those and make sure that it's your number one program. I would be very cautious sending out multiple letters to multiple programs saying that they're number one. That's really unprofessional, and you'll be surprised how quickly word gets out. Yeah, so Scott, here's another one for you from uh, Polydactyly, uh, writes in, should I notify the other programs that I'm ranking second, third, fourth, fifth? Um, should I let them know they're highly ranked? Ooh, that's even a more difficult one. Gosh, I, we're, we're really poking some sleeping bears here. I, I just don't know how well that lands to tell someone that you almost like them. Uh, you know, I, I almost wanted to marry you. I almost wanted to commit to you. I almost wanted to match with you. That's just a hard thing to communicate well. I, I'm not, I guess, verbose enough and, and, and able to, to communicate that well to where it doesn't sound odd. And unfortunately, I think when those types of letters are written, it's, it's quite transparent that if you're not saying that you're the best and you're number one, uh, that compliment can be difficult to communicate. So I, I might not communicate to those programs and just let that sit. Hopefully after you've interviewed there, maybe you've taken a second visit, maybe you haven't, but maybe you've communicated then that you really enjoyed your time and could see yourself training there. But at this time, sending out a second through fifth letter is, eee, that's, that's, that's dicey. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's always nice to get a letter thanking someone for an interview and um, telling them that, that you really appreciate their program, what they have to offer. I, I think that's nice, but uh, quite honestly, there's so many factors that go into how applicants are ranked that, you know, writing that last-minute letter, I don't think that really does much. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, though you've heard it. Well, 
we thank all the people that have written in for these great questions because I know a lot of other students are considering the same things. So as you go out to fill in your rank list, we really hope that you have a successful match. On behalf of my colleague, ER Dr. Nate, this is your EMED coach signing off for another edition of the EM Stud podcast. For more information about our podcast and our organization, please log on to www.cdemcurriculum.com. That's Clerkship Directors in Emergency Medicine Curriculum.com. Rotate well, my friends. Thank you.